This is The Space Shot, episode 31 for June 14th, 2017. Difference Engines, Albert II, and V2s. Hey everyone, welcome to The Space Shot, your daily space history, pop culture, and news fix. I'm John Molnix. On this day in 1822, Charles Babbage introduced the use of a difference engine to create astronomical and mathematical tables. Up until this point, mathematical tables that were used for things like navigation, banking, and astronomy were all calculated by hand, and they could be inaccurate due to transcription errors or inaccuracies of the human computers that performed the math. Before mechanical or digital computers, there were human computers. The term simply referred to someone who computes. Human computers were employed by NASA from the earliest launches up through the Apollo missions and into the shuttle program. The movie Hidden Figures focuses on the works performed by these critical human computers, programmers, and engineers. In a future episode, I'll be talking about some of the figures featured in that movie. Babbage's difference engine that he proposed ended up not working in his lifetime due to the monetary and manufacturing constraints of the early 19th century. In 2002, the full-size difference engine that he had designed was finally completed. There are two of these functional machines on display, one at the Science Museum in London and one at the Computer History Museum in Mountain View, California. These early difference engines and later his analytical engine were forerunners of modern computational devices. I will link to the Computer History Museum website in the show notes, but I want to quote from their site here briefly. The logical structure of the analytical engine was essentially the same as that which has dominated computer design in the electronic era. The separation of the memory, the store, from the central processor, the mill, serial operation using a fetch and execute cycle, and facilities for inputting and outputting data instructions. Calling Babbage the first computer pioneer is not a casual tribute. Also on this day in 1949, Albert II became the first monkey in space. Sadly, his flight ended up being unsuccessful due to a parachute failure during the recovery phase of the mission. During his flight, he traveled 83 miles up in a modified V-2, crossing the boundary of space before falling back to Earth. Recovering the living and scientific payloads during these early flights was important to scientists since it helped them understand how humans would eventually react to weightlessness. The Albert II crash into the desert floor was typical of many of the early V-2 flights at the White Sands Missile Range. In the book Pocket Full of Rockets, History and Story Behind White Sands Missile Range, author Jim Eccles recounts what happened after a V-2 impact. Many early photos of V-2 impact craters show soldiers and scientists in the craters with picks and shovels hoping to find their instruments still intact. Remember, a V-2 could hit the ground with such velocity that it was like a 2,000-pound warhead exploding, easily enough force to destroy the experiments. Eccles then goes to talk about a General Electric report that described in even greater detail what happened when a V-2 impacted the ground. The appearance of the crater indicated a very high-velocity impact with no chemical explosion or fire following. It was estimated to be at least 30 feet in diameter at the top and 30 feet deep. The earth at this point consisted of a mixture of wet sand and gypsum, dry on top, overlaying hard gypsum rock. Many large boulders had been blasted out of the rock, a few being tossed as far as 50 or 60 feet from the crater, others falling back into the crater and sliding to the bottom. Some loose masses of wet sand and gypsum were thrown to great distances, perhaps as much as 500 feet. 
No parts of the rocket were to be found in the crater, although it's possible that some were buried under the boulders at the bottom. Most of the parts were found at distances up to a thousand feet, the distribution being most dense at one to three hundred feet and to the lee side of the hull. Altogether, a two-hour search netted only about 50 pounds of scrap parts. The history of the early V-2 tests at White Sand Missile Range could be a show in and of itself, and in the future I will talk more about these early V-2 tests at the White Sands Missile Range. Tomorrow we've got SpaceX and Time's Arrow, Part 1. I'm grateful that everyone's taken the time to listen and review the show. It would mean a lot if you could keep leaving those reviews on iTunes. I really appreciate everyone that's done that so far. If you know someone that loves space, history, or pop culture, please share the space shot with them on Facebook, Insta, Twitter, anywhere you connect with your friends and family. I'm John Molnix, and I'll catch you on the flip side. <laughs>